Psalm 100 reads, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Brothers, sisters in Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord, the God who created the heavens and the earth. Receive His greeting. Grace unto you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits which are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us and washed us from our sins with His own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. As you know, each of the uh, Gospels records the events of Christ's life, his ministry, his suffering, his death, and resurrection. And uh, I thought since we looked at uh, chapter 19 uh, this past um, this past Friday, Good Friday, that we would read on in that resurrection story and read chapter 20. So the Gospel of John chapter 20, and we will read through I think we'll do the whole chapter, actually. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter, going out, and the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by its top. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, went in, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they, had, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? 
she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know or recognize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, Easter evening, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, when his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put your hand in the place, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation, uh, uh, the book as a whole, uh, I think is always intriguing, always interesting. Uh, there are elements that we understand and which make sense. 
there are elements that we read and kind of scratch our head and say, hmm, uh, how does that work, or how does that fit, and, and so forth. Well, let's go ahead and read this first chapter. Uh, uh, we're going to look mostly this morning at verses 17 and 18. And it, uh, I'm sure you'll see how it connects to Easter morning, because what Jesus is saying is that uh, He is the unchallenged victor uh, over all the enemies of God. And He has established and supplied us with all that we need. So here, the Word of God, Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom of, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice, that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, 
I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, and those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation, uh, I think on the top of the page here, is a bit misnamed. Because look at the first line of the first verse. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is His provision. It is His gift. It is His supply of what we need to know and to hear and to understand. We celebrate Easter Sunday. As I mentioned in our prayer earlier, we celebrate Easter every Sunday of the year. Uh, in fact, we have on pretty good testimony that 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 the Lord, from time to time, recalibrates the calendar uh, of men and, and then days on the earth. So oh, he does. Yes, he does. If you look back in Exodus chapter twelve, uh, when the Passover took place, when God led His people out of Egypt, He said to them, "Today." using our language, is your January 1. From this point onward, time will be reckoned from this event. And so we ought not to be surprised as we celebrate Easter Sunday that we recognize that, that the Lord has, has done a new thing. You think of the creation week? The seventh day was the day of rest. What has changed? Well, the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. On Easter Sunday, the first day of the week. And we have numerous, and there are those that will contest this, but, uh, but, but quite clearly what we read here in, in Revelation chapter 1, uh, when was, when was uh, the Apostle John in the Spirit? On the Lord's Day. What does that even mean? It means the first day of the week. It becomes a technical term identifying the day, the time, of worship for God's people. And so it is, we will celebrate what Christ has accomplished as He has revealed Himself to us, that we might know Him, that we might love Him, that we might more faithfully serve Him. And so, Revelation chapter 1 took place, most likely decades, after the resurrection. So there's a little bit of, well, why preach on this passage now? Uh, and not one of the passages or the verses or the conversations that we read uh, in, in those passages in the Gospels. Well, I think chiefly for the reason uh, that this is directly connected to Easter by virtue of the Lord's resurrection from the dead. In fact, in our, uh, in our, our second point, we will see, uh, I was alive, I died, I was dead. And now I am alive forevermore. So he's bringing us back to the incarnation. He's bringing us back to his suffering and death on the cross. But then he's bringing us past uh, that as well. And so we see in these 
in these verses, uh, the, the context uh, is, is very clear. Uh, John says he heard a voice, and, and he turned around, uh, and he saw one like the Son of Man. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And the description that we read, uh, we're not talking about Jesus humbled, suffering, dying on the cross, or as he's described in Revelation chapter 5, looking as, as, though, as though he were a lamb that had been slain. No, we... He did that for us. We can think of those sufferings that Christ endured for us. And, and we're called to do that. As often as you take of the bread and, and, and drink of the wine, in remembrance of me, you proclaim the Lord's death. But Christ is no longer on the cross. Christ is no longer in the grave. He has been raised up. He has been exalted. Uh, we talk about His ascension. We talk about His coronation wherein He is elevated and glorified and, and receives, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, a name above every name, uh, authority above every authority, uh, greatness, glory, wonder, or, or even the Great Commission. What does He say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. So, uh, what sort of Christ do we serve? One who's impotent? One who can't hope to accomplish that which uh, he promises? By no means. Uh, this is like Lord's Day, well, question and answer 20, 26 of the Catechism. What does it mean that you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Well, that answer replies, uh, he is able to do this, care for us, provide for us, watch over us, being Almighty God. And he's willing also, because he's our faithful father. <coughs> well, what we will see is that in this conversation, in verses 17 and 18, uh, the Lord Jesus declares his victory over his enemies and ours. Over sin, over fear, and over death. We will take note in these Kind of this, this threefold affirmation that we read in verses 17 and 18. Uh, we will see his deity, his eternity, and his victory. Verse 17. Then I, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Read your scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. It's almost always the same. When God comes near, when God reveals Himself, men become keenly aware of their sin. They know they cannot stand. They cannot hope to stand in His presence because of His great glory. And so John's response here, it's the response of Abraham. It's the response of Jacob. It's the response of Isaac. It's the response of David. It's the response of Solomon. It's always the same. And, and, and we live in a world that wants to say, that, oh, we can enter the presence of God. We can enter the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's a big joke, right? Uh, the, the Toronto outpouring where there's big 
laughter would just overcome. I'm not sure what it is, but it's not the presence of God. Because God is, is high and holy. Uh, when we come to God, we worship Him according to His Word. We worship Him, as it says on the wall words at Omaha, Omaha Sanctuary, give unto the Lord the glory, do His name. Is there any options there? No. Give unto the Lord the glory, do His name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now you might pause. What does that mean? How can we worship God in the beauty of holiness? I would suggest that we can worship God in the beauty of holiness only as far and in as much as we know what He wants us to do and how He wants us to worship. We don't serve God after our imagination. Like when I do our membership class, I, I said, well, we call it to creativity in worship. Well, that sounds like fun. The people would like that. Is that the idea? That's what dro- good motives. I trust you all know how that worked out for Nadab and Abihu. They offered strange fire before the Lord. God struck them down in a moment. They turned, he, he turned their flesh into ashes in such a way that the garments that they were wearing were still able to be used. It's actually quite, quite astounding. And so we are to worship the Lord uh, as He has called and as He has revealed. And, and this, this little phrase, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. How does Christ respond? This is the exalted Lord of heaven and earth, right? But he laid his right hand on me, saying, do not, do not fear. Fear not. I believe that clearly he is speaking to John in a particular situation. But I think the principle here is that we enter into the presence of God and we can do so uh, remembering what Jesus said to him. Fear not. I am the first and the last. The living one. Uh, this is the gospel. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ penned by the hand of John, the Apostle John. Um, we read the Gospel of John as it recounts for us the, the suffering, the, the death of Christ, then His resurrection, which we read moments ago. And, and one of the ways that we see the connection, even in the word choices that are used, the, the Greek grammar which you might look at, you may have heard of the I am phrases throughout the book of John, the Gospel of John. Um, Jesus says, I am the Messiah to the Samaritan woman. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection. And the, it, the wording, the phrasing there is also here. Ago Amy. I am is, is an affirmation that 
The Lord Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, uh, is one with God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And and here uh, we read, I am the first and the last. In the beginning, John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. Right, and so His eternity uh, is clearly the point. Part of that looks back to the beginning of all things. And we're told that Christ is there. In fact, I believe it was last summer when we looked at uh, Proverbs chapter 8, that this this was Christ's desire from the beginning. My delight was with the sons of men. And, and I think my, the right response to that is, well, who better to become their Redeemer? If He, from the beginning, loved mankind, loved humanity with an everlasting love. And so when Christ speaks these words, self-revelations, identifying what He wants us to think upon and understand by His words, I am the first and the last. I think it, for some reason it's easier for us to think back in time than it is to think ahead in time. From before the beginning was the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We speak about His being eternally generated from the Father. Well, but He's not only that. He's, he's the first in the complete opposite direction. He's the last. God's purpose and will uh, in, in the future, and, and all that that is, uh, whether it's five years, 50 years, 100 years, or however many more there might be, the first and the last. Uh, all things are known to Him and, and by Him. He was from the, the beginning, and He tells us He will be and is to the end. And of course, if He knows, which He does, the past, the present, and the future, is he able to tell us what we should think? He says, do not fear. As if to say, I got this. Uh, I am the Lord. I am uh, the exalted uh, Lord of heaven and earth. And in all these things, I will see to the furtherance and the advancement of God's purpose and will in your life. Secondly, his eternity. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, look at me. I am now alive forevermore. We have here reference to the fact that He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He came to redeem. He came to save uh, His people from their sins. And that is exactly what He does. He is the living One. He is the One who came in the fullness of time to redeem those who were under the law. The story of the Bible, the history of what he did, what he said, his signs and wonders, all witness to the reality that Christ is 
God incarnate. He's the second person of the Trinity. And in the course of that, that life and that ministry, he would lay down his life. Uh, it, it's almost amusing if you read through uh, the Gospels. It seems like whenever Jesus talks about his suffering and dying on the cross, his disciples respond by saying, well, but, but can I be on your right hand and, and, and I on your left hand? In other words, it seems their, their, their ears are just tone deaf to what Jesus is saying. And so Jesus tells them again and again. And of course, what, is, what does all that teach us? But that without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we would all be in that same place. We could hear the words, but their meaning, their importance, their application to us would elude us. In fact, even that account we read of, uh, from John chapter 20, Jesus came to them and said, Peace be unto you. He, he shows his hands. He pulls up his, uh, his, his tunic or whatever and says, Here's the, the, where the sword or the, the spear entered my side. Then what does, he, what does it say he does? He breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. They needed that in order to comprehend. In fact, you compare that with the other Gospels, uh, the, the end of the Gospel of Mark, for instance, and each time Jesus says something, um, they're, they're, they're fearful. They, they, don't, they don't believe. They're, they don't get it. Until and unless they receive the Spirit of God who bears witness in their souls. Same thing in the Gospel of Luke. It, it, the women come and tell them, oh, that can't be right. They have eyewitnesses. Oh, that sounds like a tall tale to me. Until it's not. And, and, and then it's not when we come to hear and come to know uh, that which is the Word and the will of, of Almighty God. Uh, one of my favorite phrases uh, in the whole resurrection morning narratives is in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the angels are talking to the disciples and say, why are you looking for the living one among the dead ones in the cemetery? He is not here. He is risen. He is alive forevermore. He was alive from eternity. He is the living one. And yet in the mystery of the incarnation, you know, how do we explain the fact that Christ died? Right? Christ is the perfect God-man, right? True God, true man. And He dies on the cross. He, he dies to make atonement for our sins. To satisfy the curse. What was the curse? Way back in Genesis chapter 2. The curse was this. On the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That was the curse of sin. When we first read that, or when we first read that, oh, they're alive after that, so that must not have been true. Except that it was true. In a, in a spiritual way. They died spiritually. Uh, in fact, that, that is a universal conclusion. Uh, what, what is the most wicked thing in the world? 
You know, we can think of some pretty lousy things, right? Genocide, rape, molestation, all of those sorts of things. But you know what? Those aren't the worst things in the world. You know what the worst thing is? The human heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Why? Because it's dead. It's rotten to the core. And unless eyes are opened, unless hearts are renewed, unless we are brought into a living and right relationship with the living God, that's where it will stay. So it is that that Christ's work worked. It was effective to accomplish the purpose that God had for it. And, and, and finally, uh, his victory is, is indicated uh, with the last phrase in verse 18. And I have the keys of death and Hades. If you have the keys to something, what, what, is, what is that something to you? It's your possession. You have, if you have keys to the house or keys to the car... I mean, recognizing that you know sometimes kids have cars that are owned by their parents, but we're not going to confuse things. The keys of death and hell mean what? That he controls who goes in and who comes out. Uh, it's like that series of statements in Romans chapter eight: who can who can hinder anything that God purposes and will? It is Christ who died. It's Christ who's the judge. Who's going to condemn? There's nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because He is Lord of lords. Because He is King of kings. Because there is no name, there's no authority, there's no power that compares to Him. And so as we think about the future... We can think about the future with confidence. You think of Lord's Day 1. All things must work together according uh, for my salvation. Not a hair can fall from my head apart from the will of my Father in heaven. Is that really true? It's absolutely true. It's not that God is counting our hairs or that that that's important, but, but the place where those hairs come from are His people. And He cares and He loves them and provides them and promises to supply them with all that they need. <clears throat> Jesus is not only alive, but He is also victorious. He has vanquished His enemies and ours. In fact, Easter Sunday celebrates the fact that the grave, the power of sin and death, had no claim, had had no clause, had had no way to maintain its grip on him or its grip on any of his. So the lesson, I think, is pretty obvious. We had better make sure that we are not our own, but that we belong to him. For he will supply all that we need. And so it is, beloved, that we uh, will remember what Christ has done for us.
We will remember His promises. In fact, those last verses from John chapter 20, Jesus did many other things than what is written in this Bible. Many other things. But what is written here is for our benefit. That we might know that Jesus is the Christ. That we might know that He is the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, we might have life in His name. Which is really almost the same thing as that we might have His life. Because His life is that which gives life to us. That we might hear, that we might understand, that we might serve Him. So what do we have to fear? I would submit, that's exactly right. Nothing at all. One of the last verses of First um, uh, Corinthians chapter 15, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We receive the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's a therefore. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable. Be always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labors are not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for... This Easter Sunday, we thank you for this, uh, this Easter passage which testifies to your great glory, your provisions, your kindness, your love, how you will supply all that we need. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.